Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. He said, fundamentally, there's a choice to be made. You can't be both for Donald Trump and for the Constitution. You have to choose. Yeah. A vote for Donald Trump is unconstitutional, anti-American. Well, he won't, he won't support and uphold the Constitution. We've already seen what happened. Uh, he is the only president in American history who attempted to overturn an election, who attempted to seize power, to stay in power after he had lost. Um, and the reason that it, we didn't have a much more serious crisis was because there were people around him who stopped him, because there were people around the country, state officials, for example, who stopped him, who did not yield to the pressure that he put on them to change votes from Biden to Trump. Um, we won't have that safeguard again. And, and he's so dangerous. Uh, if you have a president who is unwilling to abide by the rulings of the courts, who's unwilling to uphold the Constitution, then there are no guardrails who can stop him. Yes, but what if I said that about Joe Biden? Can't do, he can't have these eviction moratoriums. Oh, we'll just keep it going. We'll just, we'll just keep it, keep it happening. Supreme Court said, so yeah, we'll just, Keep trying. What if I take a look at all those Democrats who, who say, well, the Supreme Court now is uh, just objectionable, so we have to pack the court. Not so we actually get interpretations of the Constitution, so that we get progressive interpretations of the Constitution, Liz Cheney. What of that? She's talking with Savannah Guthrie on uh, the Today Show on NBC. And let me say that the former Congresswoman Liz Cheney is back crap crazy. Disgusting and despicable. I, she had a voting record you would love, and she allowed herself to be broken. Let us talk honestly about this idea, this nonsense idea that somehow the Constitution is at stake only if Donald Trump runs. I argue it's always at stake. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. And I already said Trump's not my guy. At any given moment throughout social media or emails or whatever, I'll get told that I'm too nice to Trump and I'm too hateful to Trump. Same conversation. Too nice, too hateful. People come with their own preconceived notions. I honestly have no time for those people. Those people, they're not smart enough to be able to listen. I can't worry about them. I got to focus on the people who I'm engaged in a conversation with, and that's you. Trump's not my guy. He's not. He governed like a conservative. Of that, I am very appreciative. I do not know if that's going to happen again. And since I now see people so desperate to state that conservatism is dead and what you really need is the America first policy, I'm not voting for populism because I want to. I might have to vote for it because I have to and hope that he still governs like a conservative. Because I, for one, listen to the bluster and don't believe him. 
the DeSantis campaign in one of their good moments put out a whole thing about how I'm going to go after Hillary Clinton. She needs to be prosecuted. We need to do this. We need to do that. And then two weeks after winning the election, we're not going to go after Hillary Clinton. You know what? We're going to try and make nice and, and, and make everything happy. Yeah, it was all just talk for the election. Seems that the people who are most supportive of Trump forget that moment. I don't. I think Hillary Clinton did really dangerous things to subvert the Constitution. But let's go back to Liz Cheney and this maddening proposition that somehow the Constitution will not hold and that somehow the people in positions of power in states across the country who thwarted him the first time will somehow fold the second time. Why would I believe such a thing? And what did he actually do? Hold on. I didn't say you liked what he did, but let's go over what he actually did. He said it was rigged. You're right. That's super annoying. He said that it was fake. You're right. That's super annoying. He did try and engage lawsuits. His team did. And in some places they were heard, but in the vast majority of places they weren't. And people looked at the lawsuit being dismissed as up, another lawsuit dismissed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think that some of them should have been heard, specifically by the Supreme Court. So much so that uh, Justice uh, Alito and Clarence, Justice Clarence Thomas both said, well, if we're not going to hear these cases, what do we do here? What's our purpose if we're not going to hear cases about the election of president of the United States? I think that was always wrong. I think it was wrong. I think Trump making, uh, you know, making the statement of you got to find me some more votes in Georgia looks super bad. You know what I saw? No one found him more votes. Were there shenanigans in Fulton County and stuff coming from under the table? You better believe there was. Would I have voted to certify the votes from Pennsylvania? Absolutely not. And anyone who favors the Constitution, Liz Cheney, would not have certified the votes coming from Pennsylvania because those rules that the legislators uh, set, the legislature set, were usurped by the judicial. That should not be allowed, and the 20 electoral votes should not have counted. Now, if I can do math properly, and I believe I can, Biden still would have been elected president, but I never would have allowed those 20 electoral votes. But we were told on the political right, you cannot engage a lawsuit before the election because we don't have a result yet. You don't have any standing. You don't have an argument to make because nothing happened yet. That's not what Liz Cheney is doing. Now, this is, of course, political, not legal. I get the difference. Liz Cheney wants to make an argument. If you elect Trump, we all die. This is an ignorant position from a broken woman. And they continue this conversation like it's it's somehow rational. Uh, he is the only president in American history who attempted to overturn an election, who attempted to seize power, to stay in power after he had lost. Um, and the reason that it, we didn't have a much more serious crisis was because there were people around him. who, As I said, all of a sudden these people don't exist or aren't other people. What are you what are you talking about? And if the people around him tried to stop him, why are they somehow being charged in a RICO predicate uh, there in Atlanta? Shouldn't they be uh, hailed as heroes?
And, and he's so dangerous. Uh, if you have a president who is unwilling to abide by the rulings of the courts, who's unwilling to uphold the Constitution, then there are no guardrails who can stop him. You've, uh, said, we're, stop him. you've said we're sort of sleepwalking into dictatorship in the United States. Dictatorship. Is that what we yeah. would have if we reelect Donald Trump? I think it's it's a very, very real threat and concern. No, it's not. You're crazed. No, it's not. The fundamental argument, getting down to the most basic element of Liz Cheney's argument, is somehow the Constitution cannot hold because one person is nuts. You think our system is so weak that the Constitution cannot hold? That's ridiculous. Dictatorship? That is an insane thought. But I will tell you that the political right has it about the political left. You better believe it. You have to use these pronouns. You have to tell us every uh, transaction over $600. You're not allowed to have a gas stove. This is... You say to me, well, that's not what Trump is doing. I want to know what Trump is doing. Hold on. What is Trump doing? He tried to subvert an election. For as much as you want to argue that, let me state that that was three years ago and Joe Biden is president today. That inauguration day came and Joe Biden was inaugurated. Next question. What is, what is, it, what is your fundamental malfunction here? That he's going to do it again? But he's not in power. If he runs and he loses, he loses. Well, there might be another riot. Dear Lord. I don't know. I don't want there to be. But you think there won't be riots on the left if Trump should be elected? I have got people threatening Jewish business owners all across America now, and the political left is twiddling their thumbs like, oh, Trump is so dangerous. Not to the local falafel place in Philadelphia. Who's dangerous are these pro-Hamas psychopaths who are going to get into the killing. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I have stated without reservation, Trump's not my guy. But if he's the nominee, I'll vote for him. If he's the nominee, I'll vote for him because he is a better choice than Joe Biden. That's how bad Joe Biden is. And a political party that will not excoriate the Jew-hating bigots in their midst, I'm going to go for Trump. I'm going to go for DeSantis. I'm going to go for Haley. I would go for Chris Christie or Vivek Ramaswamy over these Democrats. And the Republican Party, Liz Cheney? The Republican Party is the problem? Why can't it be a rational conversation about 
important subjects. Trump didn't handle uh, the 2020 election well, and I think, therefore, he should not be a consideration for 2024. If you vote for him, you're putting a you're 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 putting a dictator in power. She's making the argument that the Constitution will fail. Said differently, she's making the argument that somehow our Constitution doesn't work. And I put forth that what Liz Cheney is arguing is far more dangerous than anything to the claim that Donald Trump did. The claim, not actually the doing, the claim. This is a very, very ugly position to take. The position to take is, I don't like what Trump stands for. I don't like Trump ha- how handled handled this. And Trump will pi- try and put tremendous pressure. But our Constitution will hold as long as people follow and do this and stand up. That would be a statement. The statement that Liz Cheney is making is one of, of fear-mongering. So much so that Liz Cheney goes into this. Watch what's happening to my party uh, and and to watch the extent to which Donald Trump himself um, has, uh, you know, basically determined that that uh, the only thing that matters is uh, him, his power, his success. And um, that is not somebody you can entrust with the power of the presidency. It seems crazy to ask this and even crazier to fathom it. But do you believe if Donald Trump were elected next year that he would try to stay in office beyond a second term? That he would never leave office? There's no question. You think he would try to stay in power forever? Absolutely. I mean, he's already done it once. That's a crazy person. That is um, fear-mongering of the worst. He didn't stay in power, did he? Did he? He didn't stay in power. He left. On the day he was supposed to, he left. This is the, this is gross, and to have to be put in a position to defend is 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 awful for for me. But dear Lord, Liz Cheney is a broken woman, broken and pathetic. And when I tell you she had a voting record that you loved, I mean it. But this is madness. But I want you to take note of the conversation. China, Israel, Ukraine, and of course the top story in America, the southern border, the attack on children from the, uh, on the quote unquote transgender insanity. And what they're talking about is Trump. And all MSNBC will talk about is Trump. Without him, they don't have anything. Without him, They'd have to talk about the issues. And on the issues, they have nothing to say because the Democrats look that bad because they are. So we're going to focus on issues. You know, the things that actually matter to people. You know who doesn't matter to people? Liz Cheney. Because fear mongers should never, ever, ever matter. I'm Tony Katz. Fascinating look at data 
regarding the overturning of Roe v. Wade because of the Dobbs decision. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. And we take a look at this. We always discuss it politically because of what it's done uh, to elections and the, and the the benefits it has given the political left, how they've campaigned on it and how they've been able to have success and mitigate losses. But what is the effect on society having taken away the failed decision, the wrong decision of the Supreme Court in Roe v. Wade? And and what is the result with states now having created limits on abortion? So it was the Institute of Labor Economics that took a look at each state where abortion was banned and there was significantly more births than was expected in the first six months of this year, right? This has been going on now for 18 months, so that was enough time to be able to really take a look at at its effect. And the number is 32,000. 32,000 more births have taken place this year, which the data states is attributable to states having restrictions on abortion. The people who are abortion zealots will tell you that this is the problem because these were unwanted births. And this, of course, brings about the social of this conversation, the, the cultural of this conversation. We're now saying that the baby is, is unwanted. This is our argument. We have a society that doesn't want life. Well, that's not a problem at all, now is it? But it was an interesting breakdown of uh, the, 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 the data um, in, in that while it shows that there were more babies born, it also shows that states where they offered up increased access to abortion, like, for example, via telemedicine, you can get some pills and have a chemical abortion, that went up. It's it, Two things happened at the same time that you would think were not possible. Both happened, but both happened. The amount of births went up, but the abortion rate increased by 0.2%. Because in the states that limited it, there wasn't as much heading across the border. And the place where this happened the most is Texas. And you're like, Texas, women who wanted an abortion didn't go across the border? And the answer is, Texas is big. And so to make the drive or a flight or a bus was too much hassle, too much work. But in states like California that were willing to uh, mail you an abortion, it went up. And it's, it's, it is fascinating data because if, if you're on the pro-life side, you're going to say the restrictions work. There's more life. And the people who are given more access to killing will do it. The, 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 it, it is simply uh, a, a truism, at least how they look at this data. Now, is that going to be true over time? I don't, I don't have an answer.
it's still, I think, up to us to decide what kind of society do we want. I think that right now what Americans are saying is they want abortion, but they want limits to it. They want to know that somebody can have it because if something horrible happens to them, they cannot live with themselves to think that that baby has to be born, right? That's how they, that's how they think it. So they got to be able to have that abortion because it's only right. But the country's not abortion crazy. But if you have people in power who only talk about abortion and you uh, allow them the opportunity to distribute every abortion pill they can, convincing uh, young women that this is the thing to do because who wants that baby? It's just in your way. They'll take it. As we've stated here from the beginning, this will never be a legal fight. This will always be a cultural fight. Always. That's always been my take. This is Tony Katz today. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. in Jerusalem, killing three people, wounding others, including Americans. Uh, it began firing rockets before the pause had ended, and as I said, it reneged on the commitments it made in terms of releasing certain hostages. That is all very true, Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State. I appreciate you saying so. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. That's the number. That's how you get to be a part of the show. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The ceasefire is over. Israel has announced it will expand into southern Gaza. And the pro-Hamas squad is already saying we need a ceasefire. Hamas broke the ceasefire. And there is no one in the squad or anywhere else saying that what Hamas did is wrong. They are all saying ceasefire these people of course want to see the end of israel and the slaughter of jews i said it exactly the way i said it i meant it exactly the way i said it this is what they want they are did you did you somehow miss kamala harris trying to explain what's going on uh, regarding a ceasefire and hostages oh it is precious <laughs> <laughs> honestly i don't know whether i would use french or ranch dressing for this word salad but here you go so i'm not going to reveal the, the details of the conversation but i did speak with the emir and the um, work and their commitment to this work is ongoing as is ours and um, our work is ongoing to support some ability to re 
open the pause um, and, and to, to have a deal going forward where there will be a pause so that we can get hostages out and get aid in. Holy crap. And you wonder why she can't be the next president of the United States. She just told you. She just explained it. Hamas has no interest in stopping. They already told you that October 7th was just the beginning, an opening salvo. This is who they are. And in the United States, what do we see? We see members of Congress having their homes vandalized. This is Representative Adam Smith of Washington State, Democrat. Last night, my house was vandalized by people advocating for a ceasefire in Israel and Gaza. This attack is sadly reflective of the coarsening of the political discourse in our country and is completely unwarranted, unnecessary, and harmful to our political system. That is the wrong answer, Congressman, and I'm sorry this happened to you. This is not reflective of the coarsening of our political discourse. This is reflective of Americans supporting a terrorist organization and us having no leadership currently in office to stand up and say, they're terrorists, you're out of your damn mind. No one in Philadelphia to put down those trying to intimidate shop owners. Did you not hear what happened in Philadelphia? Well, what happened in Philadelphia was a gathering of a couple hundred protesters screaming at the owner of a restaurant of a falafel restaurant. He happens to be Israeli, and they're chanting. The name of the restaurant is Goldie's. Uh, the the owner is a James Beard Award winner. To win a James Beard Award, you have to know how to cook, kids. And you've got 100-plus people in front of their shop screaming, Goldie, Goldie, you can't hide. We charge you with genocide. Basically, these could be the same people in Charlottesville. But if it was Charlottesville, you would know about it because the press would be talking about it. But because they're going after Jews uh, and, and, and they support Hamas, it's fine. It's fine. You see, you go after Jews and you're a white nationalist, we talk about it. You go after Jews and you support Hamas, we get total silence about it. Do you see how that works? Do you see how that, that makes, makes total sense? It's just it's, it's the most understandable thing in the world. This is terrorism. This is trying to scare people into closing down. And this is what Philadelphia allows. Now, you say to me, hey, Tony, you're, you're a guy out of Indianapolis. Do you think they'd allow it? I have no doubt that, that Mayor Joe Hogshead of Indianapolis would allow this, just like I have no doubt that Mayor London Breed of San Francisco would allow it. Like I have no, I, no, no doubt that Mayor Brandon Johnson of Chicago would participate in the event. None. The people who run cities on the political left do not stand up for decency. The idea that a protest can take place, a march can take place, a rally can take place, I am not talking about limiting that for citizens. 
showing up at someone's shop and engaging in this? Of course it's a threat. And 400 cops should come and break it up. However it takes. What are we talking about here? You think that this is protest? This is exactly what was done to business owners during Black Lives Matter. Where is the sign in your shop window saying you support Black Lives Matter? Um, I, I, I sell donuts. Well, why aren't you supporting Black Lives Matter? I sell donuts. I don't take political positions. I just, it, it, it's glazed or, or it's not. And uh, this, this, this one has sprinkles. Donuts good. Well, if you don't put a sign in your in your shop window, we're going to assume you're against us, and then you'll have to suffer the consequences. That happened. That I know people it happened to. It happened. This is the everyday. The absolute abusiveness taking place every day. And in Dearborn, Michigan, they had a rally... Uh, signs that say free free gaza which is not what they're 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 saying they're saying kill the jews and yes it seems that they have taken the side of hamas here we should be clear that the political left and the hamas squad uh in you know in congress they've taken the side of hamas this was at the henry ford centennial library it took place uh and and here's what one of the protesters was saying, We are lucky to be alive in the era of Imam Khomeini. I'm going to stop for a moment. Let's make an argument that perhaps I've got it wrong. It is possible that I've got it wrong. Khomeini is Khomeini. Do you mean the Ayatollah? I'm asking, Dearborn, Michigan, I want to make sure I heard it right. We are lucky to be alive. In the error of Imam Khomeini. Maybe he's talking about somebody different. Maybe. Well, we witness these kinds of victories. Brothers and sisters, the operation Al-Aqsa Storm. That day that it took place was definitely what we call Ayyamullah. One of the days of God. It's true. The brothers who were there, they planned, they trained, they made every effort, blood, sweat, and tears. But they will be the first to tell you it was the help of God that made that social miracle come true. Now, I don't think it takes much to understand that this is a rally taking place in Dearborn supporting Hamas. This is not to say there's a differentiation between the Palestinian people and the Hamas terrorists. This is a celebration of the Hamas terrorists. Yeah, that's what's happening. And we were able to witness this by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So first of all, we thank Allah for being here. We also thank all of those who resisted and made this a possibility. And we cannot forget those who made this a possibility with their blood, sweat, and tears, like Shaheed Qasim Soleimani. Wait. Wait, Soleimani? You mean the guy that we killed in Iraq? 
You mean Qasem Soleimani, the Iranian uh, head of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps? The commander of the Quds Forces. The right-hand man to the Ayatollah Khomeini. Oh, no, 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 it, it's clear, it's clear that when uh, Rashida Tlaib screams free Palestine and when they scream from the river to the sea, uh, they're talking about the Palestinian people and not Hamas. Oh, sure. Guys, how many more ways do they have to tell you? This is Hamas support that we're seeing all across the United States. We first address those lions who are defending not just Palestine, but they are fighting on behalf of the entire Ummah of Muhammad Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The way that your youth have chosen, the way that your honorable soldiers have chosen is the only path to victory. How dare you compare Hamas to Daesh, to ISIS? You had ISIS in your hospitals. Who created ISIS? That's right, Donald Trump told us. ISIS was founded by Obama. So you created ISIS, you helped ISIS, you are ISIS, but you're much, much worse than ISIS. To the friends of the... Okay, just take a, take a moment for that all to sink in. That guy just blamed Obama for the creation of ISIS. And how dare you compare Hamas to ISIS is only further proof of the statement that I've been making. The rallies in support of Palestine, feel the air quotes, are rallies in support of Hamas. These are people in favor of genocide. These are people in favor of killing Jews. And he finishes up. Much, much worse than ISIS. To the friends of the Zionist occupiers, to the friends of the colonialists, tell your friends the jig is up. Tell your friends to get out. You know, all of us know, this time it's different. If you really care about Israel, tell them to get out. Tell them it's over. The Titanic is sinking. Nah. I'd rather they fight it out. I would rather Israel try its best to survive. But it cannot be stated enough what it is we're dealing with. That's Dearborn. I shared with you Philadelphia. On the campus of Columbia University. By the way, anybody who sends their kid to Columbia University is out of their head. They are having, here we go, we'll be having our second teaching this Wednesday the 6th at 12 p.m. in room C03 of the Social Work Building. We will discuss the significance of the Palestinian counteroffensive on October 7th and the centrality of revolutionary violence to anti-imperialism. Counteroffensive? Again, no distinguishing between Hamas and the quote-unquote Palestinians, not only saying one and the same, but supporting Hamas. And now they're going to have events, and they've got flyers, significance of the October 7th Palestinian counteroffensive. 
Then they're also going to be having at uh, the Columbia Graduate School of Journalism on feminism and Palestine, a faculty roundtable. Feminism and Palestine. Feminism. <laughs> like, like any of these liberal women would be able to survive in Gaza under, under this rule. Un, like any of them would last five minutes under Sharia. Wait till feminists learn that America is not the thing to tear down. America's the best. Because only in America do you get to act this ridiculously and nobody throws you in jail, stones you, or kills you. What's the worst that happens? Somebody uses the wrong pronoun? Sit down, shut up, and deal with it. That's not bad. Getting stoned, dying, hmm, that's got to suck. Never mind what else might happen to you. If you ask me again whether or not leftism provides any value, I'm going to tell you no. But I don't want to hear again about how we have to differentiate between the people of Gaza and the terrorists that are Hamas. The, the people in the streets of America, they're not differentiating. They're proud of Hamas. This is where we are. Societally, it's a bad place to be. I'm Tony Katz. The Dow is down 87. The NASDAQ is down 125. I mean, the market's been up for five weeks in a row. I don't know if this is so surprising. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, Spotify announcing that they're going to cut 17% of the workforce to right-size and deal with the new economic reality. That's going to be 1,500 jobs being cut by Spotify. And one of the weirdest things in all of this is, as we've discussed inflation, you you would think that... um, Inflation would mean that certain things that are usually a hedge, like gold or precious metals, would have gone up, but they didn't until like yesterday, or the last couple of days. Gold on November 10th was $1,900.46 an ounce, and on Friday it was 2083. Right now, as I have it, it's 2038. I don't. I, I don't claim an expertise on, on this part of it, on the precious metals, but it would seem to me that if, if inflation was an issue, shouldn't gold have gone up months ago? A year ago? Why now? I'm curious. I'm Tony Katz. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. In a world that does not give enough full disclosure, I'm happy to give it. I have no idea who Nardo Wick is. I didn't know Nardo Wick was a rapper signed to Flawless Entertainment and RCA Records. His 2021 single, Who Wants Smoke? Yeah, I also don't know anything about that uh, as, as well. But it was number 17 on the Billboard Hot 100. Platinum, it went. Okay. Well, for a guy I may know nothing about, that doesn't mean other people don't know about him. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony. The extent of what I know about Nardo Wick is that Nardo Wick has a couple of uh, bodyguards who don't know what the hell they're doing, and I put that on Nardo Wick. The story goes um, was that there was this, this fan who was trying to get a photo of him as he was leaving a concert, right? So this was, this was more than just backstage. This was like almost in an alleyway. Um, where maybe the contra venue or whatever, whatever, whatever it was. He wanted to get a, a shot. Maybe it wasn't a concert, just leaving, leaving somewhere. And one of Nardo Wick's guys just walked up kind of like from behind and knocked this kid unconscious. I mean, stiff. There, there's a whole thing when the body goes stiff. This guy was much bigger than than the fan. Hit him with his right hand. Hit the fan with his right hand. Right on the chin. Knocked him stiff. And then uh, another, a kid, then started punching uh, this fan as well. The fan falls to the ground. Hits his head uh, on, on the ground. Now, I'm not saying that Nardo Wick did anything. He did not uh, attack anybody. But these are his guys? Are these his... Was one of these guys his bodyguard? Police said the pair was affiliated with Wick. So now the question is, what, what was their purpose? Are they just part of some entourage and they thought their job was to was to make sure their their guy was okay? You don't come around here. Should we note that the guy who hit uh this this fan and the kid were both black and the fan was white? Nardo Wick is black. Can we call it racial? Why not? We call everything else racial. If it was the other way around, it would only be called racial. Why can't we call it racial? Go on, go ahead. It's all right. What are they going to do? Stop? Now, Wick has put out a statement saying, I don't condone what happened to my fan after my show in any type of way. I expressed expressed to him and his mama how sorry and concerned I, I was that it happened to him multiple times before anything was even posted or on the internet. He condemned his entourage's attack and said he, quote, can't conde- can't control another grown man's actions. Yeah, yeah, you can. And this is exactly where we need to get to. 
Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Because you could start by having people around you who know how to control their actions, know how to control their emotions, who demand better from themselves. Look, there are moments. Don't get me wrong. This was not one of those moments. This was a guy who wanted a picture. Nobody was a threat. You could have said no. You could have uh, kind of moved him aside even if you wanted to. Nobody would have thought that was too weird, even though you shouldn't necessarily touch another person. You come from behind and you knock him out. You go to jail for forever. And Nardo Wick, these are the people you have around you. My God, your people suck, man. They suck. And yes, you can control their actions because you don't let these people around you. This guy, this guy who's who's part of your entourage, tell me, this this is his whole thing, right? He's a big, tough guy. He's going to make sure you're okay. No one's going to mess with you while he's around. And now he had to prove it on a, on a, on a kid. On this, on this uh, 20-year-old, I shouldn't say kid, on this 20-year-old, by hitting him from behind, the guy wanted a picture. The guy wasn't a threat at all. So, yeah, you can do something about it. Now the question is, should you be held responsible for it? That's the question. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Now, the video shows that he tried to stop it. He even writes, I tried to stop it, as you can see in the video. And if somebody got the longer video, you can see how mad I was. I love and appreciate all my fans and don't condone uh, in what happened at all. Uh, That's, uh, I'm going to say stuff, ain't gangsta or cool in no type of way. Correct. That is correct. Now, representatives for Wick are saying the two suspects are not his security. There's a way these things have to be handled and, and, and a way in which people have to be handled. Now, um, you, you, you clearly are allowed to protect yourself and you're allowed to have people protect you and uh, people invading your personal space. No, no, they, they don't necessarily have uh, that, that, that right. Of, cor- of course not. I, I agree with this. But if these are guys who you were giving a couple bucks to or guys who were uh, getting rides from you, yeah, I do think you're responsible. And it has to be dealt with. Maybe the bigger question is why is this the first response? Why in the world, and we see this so often in in the idea, not, not, not talking about rappers, bodyguards, anything like that, but people's first response is this, this immediate outrage immediate anger this this hitting this kid to me when i saw this um this, this was uh this was akin to those karens who uh were like why are you filming here why are you parked here you see that all the time like, what are you what are you getting involved it's none of your business 
You go, you're walking your dog, go live your life. Why are you getting involved? If you saw the same car parked somewhere with somebody staring into a house five days uh, in a row, all right, yeah, you can call the police, right? We could say there was a, a something that was going on repeatedly. It's awkward. Let's take a look at that. We would make perfect sense to us. But these Karens, they stop anybody. Why are you here? Why are you walking through my neighborhood? What is the real difference between the two things? The actual physical hit? Well, I think that we can argue that the physical hit versus the verbal altercation is just the way the thing is engaged. And you could also argue that that is cultural. The Karens, the vast majority of times women in this case, they're not going to hit anybody because that's not what they do. They don't know how to hit somebody. Now, sometimes they'll do it because they assume they won't get hit back because of the social contract. Women who engage in these kinds of things, the yelling and the screaming, they do it because they know that men won't respond to it. The social contract says you don't do that. So therefore they feel emboldened, which makes them, we should be clear, pretty disgusting. Women who do that are gross. Women who are like, I can do anything I want. You can't do this or that, respond this or that because you're a man. Those are women you should stay away from. You don't marry those women. You don't date those women. You don't want to work with those women. They're just terrible. Oh, and 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 ladies, with all due respect, if you're upset that I'm I'm, I'm saying so, uh, I think it's uh, I think it's unacceptable that you're upset with the truth. There are women who do this. And it's gross. But the, very often you see this happen with neighbors and other things. It, sometimes you think it's just made for, made for the video. But very often it, it is real. And it happens because people don't know how else to express themselves. They, they, they have to defend. They, they are immediate to a level of anger, to a level of, 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 of radicalness that doesn't make any sense. The guy who hit this 20-year-old was bigger than this 20-year-old every day of the week. The 20-year-old was never a threat. Why hit him? Why hit him? Well, had to be hit. Had to show him who was in charge. Why in the world would you bother somebody walking their dog? Well, had to show them who was in charge. Can't just have them walking their dog all around my neighborhood. Can't have them just parking on the street. It's the same mathematics. It is what it is. And that comes from something very, very deranged in, in society where people are ginned up to a level of, of, of anger that must they must immediately show how virtuous they are with their anger against the against the what? The infiltrator? The uh the person who is uh causing them some level of upset, the person they've decided is doing some level of wrong, and then they don't have any ability to filter out a response to it. Not even a, hey, man, you got to move it over there. Hey, man, you got to move it over there. Could have just done that. Now, you and I could argue that was even wrong. This guy's not security or anything. He's just some, some hanger-on. But it still would have made more sense than punching the guy. Now, let's say the guy said, I'm taking a picture. Get out of my way. Let's say the 20-year-old kid said that, or 20-year-old adult. We shouldn't call him a kid. That certainly escalates. Is that the punch? 
The Karen says, why are you parked here? And you say, none of your damn business. You could argue it escalates. But still doesn't explain why the, the Karen is doing what they're doing and any nonsense that comes forward. It is true that all of us can, can state a moment where we did not handle our emotions correctly. But it is important that we at least note when it's not being done properly and we use it as, as a lesson to how we, how we can do it. And certainly for one's kids, this isn't okay. This is madness. This is madness. And by the way, it's madness when the Karens do it too. I hope they find this guy. I hope they charge this guy. But for Nardo Wick, just for, for the sake of clarity, you bet your ass there's something you can do about it. Don't have this guy as part of your entourage. That's what you could do about it. Explain to these guys that every time they try and act out their fantasy, they're putting you at risk. You've hit. You've got success. You've got opportunity. Then I didn't know who you are. Okay, well, I didn't know I do. But this isn't the way you want me to know who you were. They got to act a certain way. They got to comport themselves in a certain way. There's nothing street about punching a 20-year-old white kid. Unless there is, in which case, oh, holy hell, we got different problems. You decide who you have around you. Now ask yourself, how the hell do you want to be seen? What kind of man are you? No, no, don't get angry with me. Ask yourself and then make the changes that you need to make. But for this guy, I hope they throw his ass in jail. I'm Tony Katz. Susan Sarandon is apologizing as if anybody cares about a Susan Sarandon apology. But the apology involves the fact that, well, as a progressive, her bigotry was on full display. And what she said at an event to support the Palestinians, she said that uh, there are a lot of people who were quote, afraid of being Jewish at this time and are getting a taste of what it feels like to be a Muslim in this country so often objected or subjected to violence. Muslims are so often subjected to violence. This is, of course, not true. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, this whole conversation about Islamophobia has been alive from the beginning. Even when we talk about September 11, 2001, that the nation was gripped with Islamophobia, fear of Muslims, invented term and wanted to get the revenge that didn't happen there weren't mosque burnings all over america it didn't happen as a matter of fact the opposite took place a recognition of the difference between people who are uh, uh followers of islam and people who are fundamental uh terrorists radicals jihadists islamists different things and we were proactive in the conversation about the separation. Well, I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. I don't. You know, I, I've, I've often stated that you know, when, when, a, uh, when something happens around the globe, a, a terrorist attack happens around the globe, if we, if we think about the United States, there is a, a Muslim mother and a Muslim father looking at their Muslim child and saying, damn it, their life just got tougher. 
I believe that to be true. But now we have swing states. Michigan, Minnesota, Arizona, Wisconsin, Florida, Georgia, Nevada, who are uh, where you have Muslim groups saying, abandon Biden, cease fire now. Abandon Biden, cease fire now. So you have these Muslim organizations, Muslim groups, saying that if Joe Biden doesn't get a ceasefire in Israel regarding Hamas, we're not going to vote for him. The anger in our community is beyond belief. One of the things that made us even more angry is the fact that most of us actually voted for President Biden. I even had one incident where a religious leader asked me, how do I get my 2020 ballot so I can destroy it? Now, so we can understand each other, we were told that there's a difference between Hamas and the Palestinian people. And right now, what I am seeing is that there doesn't seem to be, based on the levels of protest and how the protests are worded, uh, any difference. These groups do not push for Hamas to stop. Hamas attacked Israel, then Hamas broke the ceasefire. Why is there no conversation about what it is Hamas has done? Why is the only conversation that Israel has to stop? Well, I think that's the case because the um, basic belief system is the same, and that is they want Israel gone. That's what they're saying. This is what they're pushing forward. There are 3.45 million Americans who identify as Muslim. That is 1.1% of the country, of, of, of the United States. Now, first, I, I don't know if all of them vote for Democrats. And secondly, I don't think these groups speak for all Muslims. Uh, that, that'd be like saying that, that liberal or progressive Jews speak for all Jews. <laughs> no. No, they don't. And can I just say, every time... I have somebody who's who's Jewish, and this happens to me in uh, Indianapolis uh, uh, frequently as of late. Uh, love your show. Thank you for what you're doing. Keep it up. And then running off. They don't want to be seen with me, but they want me to keep doing what I'm doing. Well, first, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, secondly, I think you have to ask yourself, why is it that you run off? Why is this a conversation that happens in the shadow uh, or the shadows? Why, why are you worried about it? I, I think that you need to look yourself in the mirror and ask, wait a second, what is it that I'm actually doing here? Why, why can't I be openly supportive of someone having a very honest conversation regarding the terrorist group that is Hamas that sees it clearly? We are only having one conversation about this war, and that is whether or not a nation has a right to exist. And I believe that Israel has the right to exist. And these groups are saying no. And you've got elected officials like Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and Andre Carson saying no. And this whole apology from Susan Sarandon, now Jews know what it's like, that's it. Susan Sarandon had to explain to Jews what it's like uh, to be oppressed. Good. Good, because Jews have never once celebrated a holiday about the oppression. Never once. It's like we never thought of it again. But when you start seeing these groups saying, get the ceasefire or we won't vote for you, they're saying something very clear. 
And the Democratic Party, we, we see it as we have seen it and talked about it and been honest about it. Lousy with anti-Semites, lousy with people who want to destroy Israel, and these people think they're in charge, except they might be in charge. The Democratic Party has got problems galore with their bigotry. This is Tony Katz today. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. So the Pacers get the win over the Heat the second time around, brings them back home to take on the Celtics in that whole tournament. I I guess it's going well. I guess people dig it. But maybe the story is the fact that the Colts are the most frustrating team in the NFL if you're a Colts fan. And the highs to the lows to the highs uh, just yesterday. um, Honestly, I'm surprised more people aren't doing any well i don't know i don't know the drug you would take uh me i'm old school it would have been a quaalude tony katz good to be with you tony katz today jmv joins us from 93.5 the fan he is the voice of sports in indiana let's start with the colts uh i say to you that i have seen enough that gardner Minshew, who i like cannot actually run an offense in a a standardized sustained way and then overtime comes and he throws two of the most absolutely perfect passes i have ever witnessed one to alec pierce for 55 yards the touchdown from michael Pittman, who had an incredible game and that then he can look at me and say did you have something to say cats uh garner Minshew, he's got to continue to be the starter of this team yeah, and you can really, a lot of people he could probably look at and say the same thing because that was predominantly the thought process going down the stretch of that game at Tennessee yesterday was, you know, please take this thing out of the hands of your Shane Steichen, of your quarterback Gardner Menchu because everybody was so afraid of what was coming next. Granted, you know, on that dime that he dropped to Alec Pierce and then ultimately, you know, in that game-winning touchdown throw to Michael Pittman Jr., people were telling me, oh, no, no, yes. And that is, in essence, who Gardner Minshew is. I mean, that's what you're going to have to deal with. It's not going to be anybody else. It's going to be him. And you're going to have moments like you felt yesterday, Tony, where you're thinking, man, anybody but. And then you're going to have moments where you're thinking, I'm glad they did not take my word of advice and take him out because of the touchdown pass, because of the pass to Alec Pierce. That's just who he is, I think. And really, that's who this team is. This has been one – I love Kings Island growing up. I go over to Ohio. We'd ride, you know, the Beast, uh, the Cobra, the Bat, all this stuff. I love a good roller coaster. Um, this is a good roller coaster ride. I wish it were more steady, but you could not have asked for things, Tony, yesterday to turn out better for the Colts organization, the team, and its fan base with what is going on with them and what is going on around them as we're in the month of December right now. Okay. Okay. 
Let's take a step back just for a moment. Let's take a yeah. look at Gardner Minshew. In this overtime win against the Titans, I got so into it, I forgot to say, Colts beat the Titans 31-28 yeah. in overtime. Uh, the Titans had gotten the field goal. The Colts come back uh, for the touchdown pass. Gardner Minshew was 26-42 of 42 for 312 yards and two touchdowns. I'm telling you that I don't know the last time he had a, 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 a number of yards that high, a stat line that good. He did have the fumble because he hasn't figured out how to throw the damn ball away. Um, but he didn't have an, an interception. When you look at that overall, you look at that as not a bad day, and certainly this was not a running team, which we'll get into. But I don't think that stat line explains how absolutely anemic this offense looks at times. Yeah, yeah, that's who they are. That's who they are. You mentioned at the outset Michael Pittman Jr. Michael Pittman Jr. is an absolute dog. He's there game in and game out, and he is the Linus security blanket without question because when things go right, most of the time for Gardner Minshew when that happens, it's because on the other end he has Michael Pittman Jr. He plays through injuries. He produces. That's what you're looking for. But this team, Tony, that's just it's who they are. That's their identity right now. And you know what? It's played the role well to this point. I, I just don't know. Like, you look ahead. I know Cincinnati plays tonight. They get Cincinnati coming up next Sunday down in Cincinnati, you know, with no Joe Burrow or any of that. But you, you can't count on them for sure to win a game. But you also, with this schedule playing out, you can't count on them to lose. It's a roller coaster ride, and it's going to be that really on both sides of the football when it comes right down to it. But we saw it yesterday with the offense. You survive Tennessee. You're at a prime position. You see Denver lose. You see Cleveland lose. Um, you see Pittsburgh lose. Kenny Pickett's going to be done. So Kenny, they're not going to face a starting quarterback, Tony, until they get C.J. Stroud and the Texans, which may be the most meaningful game of the season at the end of the year. It's, it's amazing how all this plays out, but they're doing enough to get by. And the Texans right now are playing big. Tony Katz talking to JMV, 93.5107.5, the fan, the voice of sports in Indiana. Pitten, by the way, targeted 16 times, 11 receptions, 105 yards. Alec Pierce. Now, he got targeted six times, but he catches three, 100 yards, gets a touchdown as well. Of course, that 55-yard reception. Finally seeing a little bit of him in this ball game, and when we talk about the the issues of this offense, uh, some of that is mitigated by the fact that Shane Steichen is nuts, and a couple of those fourth down calls were just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, he, he's going to play that role too because sometimes he's going to frustrate you a little bit, going, "All right, so why all these passes? Why does Menchu need to throw it forty plus times a game?" But you know, clearly yesterday, what else you were going to do because you didn't have the normal run production. And, you know, we wondered when, you know, Jonathan Taylor being missing was going to be magnified. And I thought yesterday it was certainly magnified. But, you know, you look for a couple of plays. I think with Alec Pierce, as you brought him up, it's been more about not being able to get him the ball than it has been, hey, Pierce can't catch or Pierce is not a good wide receiver or Pierce is a bust. I don't know if we know anything that much about him to date because of those that are throwing him the football. And for the first time yesterday, we have seen now, I guess a couple of throws have been consistency of that magnitude. We've seen consistency in finding Alec Pierce. And Tony, you and I have talked about this a number of times in a number of weeks. 
if they can just get a down-the-field threat so teams defensively can't stack the box and take away what they want to do, and that is run the football. Tennessee did that yesterday, and again, the Colts found a way with a couple of pass plays down the field, cashed in, and got out of Tennessee with a win. And by the way, too, Tennessee was an absolute disaster on special teams. It was almost like each team was saying, all right, I'm going to give you this much. Can you can you win if I give you this? Can he win if I give you that? Right. And then ultimately it was the Colts. Speaking of, of, of not getting things off the ground, the run game was anemic. Zach Moss, 19 carries, 51 yards. It's 2.7 yards uh, per, per carry. His long was five yards. That is a terrible day, but I texted you. I yep. saw Quentin Nelson get thrown on his ass. Like, yeah. just just smacked around. You're like, what is with this offensive line? No movement against this Titans defense. What happened there? Well, I mean, you had, well, they're good up front. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is as good as you're going to find up front for the Titans. And he went out. I, I don't know if there's any difference when he went out, but when, you, when he there goes was out, not. they lose. Yeah, they lose absolutely everything, Tony. Um, you, I think you were mentioning the offensive line. I mean, Jake Freeland was out there for a lot of it. I'm not going to make any excuses because you would expect better out of them. Um, but, again, they did enough to survive. I almost think, to me, that it's going to be better for them. And you correct me if I'm wrong with your thought here. I thought it's almost better for them to now get a little relationship, a connection between Menchu and Pierce for that downfield threat than it was to be able to run rough shot yesterday. I, I'm glad that we saw that. I'm glad that other teams see that. I'm glad the Bengals will see that on film. You know, other teams that they play Pittsburgh will see that on film because that will open things up even if you don't have intentions in doing it very much. I thought yesterday was a good thing for that offense. We'll see if they can carry it along, but I thought it was a good thing. So you're making the argument that the Bengals and the Steelers are both looking at this game with the Titans and saying, okay, we've got a plan for a downfield threat with, with, uh, yeah, with the option of, yeah, the option of Tony. It's just, listen, you put it on tape. Oh, that works. Now it's something you have to guard against. Whereas prior to that, there wasn't anybody paying too much attention to it. So you put that down on tape and then it's in the memory bank of those that are preparing for you and they have to prepare for that. I thought that was a good thing yesterday that they made that connection. And honestly, I look at the special teams. I know that was more Tennessee's fault, I guess, than it was the Colts, but the Colts made some plays on special teams, and now teams are going to see that on tape and go, all right, we've got to make sure we don't screw this up because this is the last thing that we can need. So, yeah, a couple of different aspects of the game yesterday. I thought you put down on tape for the remainder of the season was going to be a bonus for this Colts team moving forward. Yeah, I think the, the special teams conversation, there's only so much you can do to, to plan for it. But those two block punts, uh, Stroud again being able to get the touchdown, Matt Gay, four field goals, don't forget. There's a, a, a lot going going on. Let me bring it to the defensive side of, of the ball re- really quick. In in what was given up uh, by, by Indianapolis, this would you consider this to be a, a lack of, of of defensive strength, or this was just a you know what some fine solid play? Your offense just has to be able to carry that load. They did give up twenty eight, even though it's overtime. No, I I just I, I think that to me the defense is kind of like the offense. Um, at times they're not going to do what you hope that they can do. And there's nothing that is absolutely solidified. I will say this. And in talking to Zaire Franklin last week, 
if they play well up front, then that takes a lot of the pressure off everybody else. I expected them. I think everybody kind of expected them to play better up front. Um, And especially you look at a couple of really big moments. We talked about Jeffrey Simmons going out. That was one thing yesterday. But then Derrick Henry, we didn't mention that too. He was running rough shot over everybody in that first half. And, you know, in the second half we went out and didn't return. And, um, and that was another big key. So, I mean, you can't rely on injury situations like that. But I just think what, what you have right now is a team that's trying to piece things together and hope that they're down the stretch in the game to maybe a play here or there can be the difference. You have the, one of the better place kickers in the league and Matt Gay. He can be a difference. Uh, and then yesterday it was the arm of Gardner Minshew, the pass-catching ability of Allie Pierce and Michael Pittman Jr., I guess. Who would have thought, especially with the time ticking of that overtime? So maybe, again, it's just going to be here or there. You can't count on any of it, but maybe a spot play here or there to give them a chance at the end, and that's what you saw yesterday. And to be clear, the defense, Colts defense gave up 23. The two points on that interception, yeah. the two-point conversion, you can't blame on, on the defense. Let me bring it over to the Pacers, who will play uh, tonight uh, against the Celtics in this tournament. Um, we've said it. We meant it. It is clear the Indiana Pacers have absolutely no defense whatsoever, and it's like they're not even trying. There is not a team this year that has scored less than 100 points. Not a team that has scored less than 100 points, even in the win against the Heat. It was 144 to 129. Yeah. Um, this is... This is insane to think that a team can take this to some level of victory uh, in the playoffs. Tony, I would maintain that most of the time right now, the way that they play defense, that their offense has to put up 135 or more to win a game. you got to consider this, too. That Saturday night game, which I think was a surprise to a lot of people after what transpired on Thursday night and that first loss in Miami. We talked about it on Friday. But when you look at Saturday night's game, Miami still put up that 129 that you mentioned. Didn't have Bam out there. Didn't have um, Tyler Hero out there. I mean, just had kind of a mix-and-match type of thing, and they still put up 129. Now, you can make the argument, hey, the Pacers put up 144, and Tyrese Halliburton didn't play on Saturday night. So that's great. The fact is that when you get in big-game situations, they're going to have to be able to get a stop here or there. And This team rarely, if ever, mix and stop. And I said this on Friday's show. I don't see it. I don't see the solution. I don't see the solution coming. I don't see the solution on this team. So I, I guess if you're looking for one right now and the present, you're going to have to score more points than the other team does. So I'm thinking if you don't score 135 or more, then it is going to be in jeopardy in which you're, you're going to win or lose that game. It's probably more times than not you're going to lose it. I, I, I'm glad that I at least see it uh, properly, and I certainly have not seen a change take place. Uh, this in-season tournament stuff, uh, this working in, in terms of does it work for fans? Does it work as a almost incentivizing moment uh, for, for the Pacers and team, other teams? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's for the Pacers because they haven't seen you know the postseason in how many years now, four-plus years or whatever. So this is kind of like playoff basketball, and it does bring – TNT cameras on a Monday night, albeit, but TNT cameras and you get national coverage uh, for this game coming up later on tonight. So, no, and it, you know, for the Pacers, it's fun. I don't know for a team like Boston where you're going to be more than likely a number one seed anyway in the East and you're not too concerned about it. I don't know how much drama or how much enjoyment it brings to them or their fan base, but 
you know, for teams like the Pacers, certainly, I think there's a lot, there's a lot to play off of. And, you know, they owe Boston something. Tyrese Halliburton, who may, I think it's questionable whether or not he plays tonight. I think he is going to play. He had an upper respiratory problem that kept him out on Saturday. But remember, Boston put up 150-plus against the Pacers back in November, and that was on the road in Boston. No Tyrese Halliburton, but they could not stop you and me on that evening. Boston has what the Pacers struggle with, and that is very talented wings that they can simply not guard. So we'll see if there's any change in that. But, yeah, I think overall, I mean, you get a little bit of love for what you're doing right now. If you're the Pacers, you probably like it. I just don't know how the rest of the league, especially the successful Tony, rest of the league really embraces this this, uh, whole situation thus far. JMV is his name. He's the voice of sports in Indiana, 93.5-1075, the fan out of Indianapolis. Always appreciate you taking the time. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. So Trump's true social post may have seemed unhinged and crazy and random and like you could ignore it. It was actually, though, a threat to the free press, a threat to democracy. And that threat comes at a time when a record total of 533 journalists are currently detained worldwide. That's according to Reporters Without Borders. A large number of them are being held by the sorts of authoritarian regimes that Trump envisions creating here at home. With all due respect, it was the Obama administration that was keeping tabs on James Rosen, uh, I do believe. It was the media that said, we won't talk about the Hunter Biden laptop and got government cronies to sign a letter. Don't tell me there wasn't any level of collusion there. uh, To sign a letter saying it was Russian disinformation. With all due respect, Jen Psaki, you understand that you're not engaged in any legitimate news gathering whatsoever. You are what you are, a, a propaganda show on a propaganda network that isn't even interested in trying, which stinks because you can. You can. You have all the skill set. All you have to do is go about doing it. With all due respect, I see Joe Biden and this administration and these Democrats as more of a threat than Donald Trump. And now this idea that if Trump won re-election, he would never leave office. What are you talking about? He left once. He'll leave again if he wins. Could you stop it with the fear-mongering? You sound crazy. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. This affects our daily lives. Don't get me wrong, what's happening in Israel does, right? Terrorists that are able to get to the United States affects our lives. The southern border, which is always the biggest story in America, affects our daily life. It's it just, just fact, just true. I don't say no to it. 
But how about the idea of Kamala Harris talking about how we're going to do away with coal-powered plants? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Now, you could say to me, Tony, this has always been the plan of the left. Correct. Has anybody discussed the fact that this plan has no actual basis uh, in terms of reality? The fantasy is to get rid of coal. The fantasy is to get rid of fossil fuels or whatever the dang thing is that, that, that they call them today. Because they change, right? They, they have a different thing that they call them all the time. The question before us is, what do you replace it with? The fantasy is the idea that you can replace this stuff with solar and with wind, and you cannot. You can want it. Well, sure, you can want it. You can want Margot Robbie. You can want a series of things. You could be a Jets fan and just want them to have a quarterback who could throw a touchdown. We all have wants, but reality is different. And reality just dictates that you are never going to meet Margot Robbie. And reality dictates that the New York Jets cannot throw a touchdown pass. This is reality. Not really a deniable thing. So when you take a look at, at what's going on with, with the coal and the idea of uh, swearing off of it, this was, uh, what was the, the the event she was at? The COP28? Is that what it's called? Some, oh, Lord only knows. This was Kamala Harris in her own words. Around the world, there are those who seek to slow or stop our progress. Leaders who deny climate science, delay climate action, and spread misinformation. Corporations that greenwash climate inaction and lobby for billions of dollars in fossil fuel subsidies. In the face of their resistance, and in the context of this moment, we must do more. I'm sorry, in the face of their resistance? It's not resistance to note that you need oil in order to run a society. But it is something else for the vice president of the United States to say, if you're a denier, we're coming for you. As has been um, discussed, uh, and it wasn't me who, who first discussed it, but it was certainly the, 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 the rational argument. Uh, these uh, third world nations that want to feed their people, that want to grow, that want to build, they're not going to be poor just so some rich Americans can feel better about themselves. Who the hell are you? Some limousine liberal wants to put an end to, to fossil fuels, so pick your third world nation can't lift their people out of poverty because they're not allowed to have the energy to do so because of pollution, because of what they claim is hurting the environment. Third world nations won't buy into this. Neither will first world nations like China. And just for the sake of clarity, China is a first world nation. Everybody knows this. Everybody who's a rational person knows this. China is a first world nation. China will not abide by any of this. And anybody who thinks that you can get to some level of agreement on climate with China is a fool. There's a reason we call these people useful idiots. This isn't to be mean. This is about recognizing how lost they are in the argument. China is thirsty. 
And China remains thirsty. China was thirsty yesterday. They're thirsty today. They're going to be thirsty tomorrow. They want a drink. And what do they want a drink of? Well, power. Actual energy. They have to grow an economy, which is failing them miserably. They've got a... uh, a population that is aging out and they don't have a population coming in underneath underneath it because they decided to do a one-child policy and uh, they eliminated their ability to build up their population. And you say to me, they have 1.4 billion people. That's now. 100 years from now, 500 million people. And you say to me, still bigger than the United States. And I'll say to you, maybe, but it ain't 1.4 billion. They're going to lose 800 to 900 million people. Not because of some attack from their communist government, although it's always possible, because they're going to age out and they have no population to to uh, come in underneath it. This is their issue. And when it comes to their economy, they made the same mistakes that Japan did regarding infrastructure, and now they're suffering through it. 100% suffering through it. They will not sacrifice opportunities for growth because Kamala Harris thinks it's really cool that she has a compost heap. Also, Kamala Harris has a gas stove. You 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 saw you saw it yourself. You saw it yourself when you uh uh when when she was taking a picture for Thanksgiving. It was her and her husband. Oh, they're so in love. I mean, I only hope. I only uh, hope because the 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 conversations cannot be that stimulating. And and uh, they, they took the picture, and she's there with the gas stove, and you're like, my gosh, a gas stove? That, she is single-handedly killing the children's, I tell you, with her, with her gas stove. But, you know, when they do something, you know, you, you're not allowed to leave your house uh, because of COVID. But Nancy Pelosi can get a haircut, and Gavin Newsom can go to French Laundry, and, and all these things uh, can take place. They're, they're special people. China will not listen. China does not care how many hashtags the United States makes. China does not care what it is uh, that that pick your uh, socialist has to say. They want what they want, which is power. And to get the power, they need power. They're not going to stop. You think India is going to stop with oil when they see their opportunity to finally push a little more ahead and maybe bring some of these other people in India out of poverty? They're not going to stop. What a crazy, crazy thought to think that they will. No, that's not happening. So the idea that the U.S. has joined uh, with this phasing out of coal power, powering past coal alliance, it's what it's called. Powering past coal alliance. They, they, uh, they always got a good title for everything. They really do. Uh, this is... This is about fantasy. This is not about reality. This is not anything to do with how one's life is better. Because just for the sake of clarity, one's life is not better without oil. It's worse. It is far, far worse. You can't power the people. You can't have them heat their homes. You can't have energy to get from point A to point B. I have nothing against electric cars, but the electricity gets created somehow. And it's done through oil. So let's not kid ourselves here. That somehow we're going to live without it. Society will stop without it. And I just don't think that stopping society is a damn good idea. I think it's a damn terrible idea. It's a miserable, pathetic idea. It is shameful and ridiculous. And yet the left is in love with it. 
in love with it. Just remember that when you vote. Would you please? That would that would be great. I would appreciate it. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. That's in just a few minutes. But what Sheila Jackson Lee has done is just given us just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to laugh at her. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything going on. Over at TonyCats.com, you can actually subscribe and be a part of what we're doing. Be supportive. I'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. Of course, you can just, you know, uh, catch uh, the basic things and leave comments and do all that. It's free if you want it to be free. TonyCats.com. Sheila Jackson Lee is uh, the congresswoman from Houston. And Sheila Jackson Lee was last in the news because there is audio of her chastising and cursing out her staff. You're all so stupid. You're so blanking dumb. You're blanking this and blanking that. You're blanking children and blankety blank, blank, blank. And your mother's a blank and dad's a blank. And have I talked about your blank? Because that's a blankety blank, blank, blank. Uh, it was it was rough. And and if that had been a Republican, uh, clearly they would have been censured uh, or, or something like that. But it was a Democrat, so nothing happened. Although I did run into a great number of people who were like, that's exactly how 20-something should be spoken to at all times. These, these children don't know how to do anything. They don't know how to respond to things. It is, it's embarrassing. It's ridiculous. It, it, they, they deserve to be chewed out every second of the day. All right. All right, that's a that's a that's a solid point. This this is a little different. This is Sheila Jackson Lee and a commercial that is running because she's running for mayor. Listen. Care. Houston, I've spent my entire career fighting for you. From fighting to keep our kids safe from guns when I was on city council, to my days in Congress fighting to protect women's reproductive freedom, and for funding for our police, schools, and small businesses. Now I'm running to be your mayor, because if we're going to bring down crime, fix our streets, and bring good-paying jobs here, then Houston needs a champion who's ready to fight for what's right. And I am. If you see the ad... You could see that the ad reads, vote on December 7th. The only problem is that the election is on December 9th. It's, that is so beautiful. I, 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 mistakes get made. I am aware of this. I just don't know how that mistake gets made. I don't know how it's possible to make that mistake and also you're giving people the wrong day to an election isn't that misinformation and isn't that something that you should be charged for isn't that a crime in today's america dang it i thought it was a crime i thought i i I thought it was uh and of course uh nothing will happen to sheila jackson lee because nothing is going to happen to sheila jackson lee this moves us over to a story that i was told and this has to do with Indiana University, which is uh, Bloomington uh, on radio. We're heard there in WGCL. And I, I actually talked about uh, something that happened on uh, on the campus there when when we talk about what happened uh, with Hamas and the terrorist attack. There was this statement that was put out 
by the, the, the university. IU is heartbroken over the horrific violence that has occurred over the past few days. With heartfelt empathy and compassion, we stand ready to provide comprehensive counseling and support services to assist our students, faculty, and staff affected by these attacks. Um, there was no statement about Hamas as a terrorist organization. And it seems that Pam Witten, who's the president of the university, got a lot of pressure to then put out a statement on her own. Uh, but it's, I think for a lot of people, it was lacking. But that's not the story. That's just a, a bit of a preface. Here's the, here's the story. The story is that in the Indiana University paper, the Indiana Daily Student, was this piece by uh, a guy by the name of Jared Quigg, Q-U-I-G-G. And the uh, it was opinion piece, and the headline was, there will never be peace until Palestine is free. And you're like, oh, well, we... We understand what you're all about. If you read Jared Quigg's uh, pieces, uh, this is a guy who is uh, uh, against, um, what you call He's he's against uh, capitalism. This is a guy who uh, is is a believer in in socialism. And it was very obvious from, from the piece, very obvious from the piece that uh, he favors Hamas. That was my take from it. The story I heard is as follows. And for the people listening in Bloomington, and if this has happened where you are, I want I want to hear about it too. What I am told, and I heard this in a public speech from somebody who I think would know, is that there were students who objected to the piece. Well, that's fine. You can object to an opinion piece. And they wrote a letter to the editor. To object to it. Now, there has been a piece that I did see in the in the in the Daily Student uh, that um, talked about that there's no room for anti-Semitism. There was a piece like that. But what I'm told is is that this guy Jared Quigg is the guy who decides what letters to the editor get published in the student newspaper, and he did not allow letters to be published. Now, I need to find out if that's true. I need to know if that is true. Did the did the student newspaper actually go forward and say we will not publish a letter that is critical of this piece because the guy who wrote the piece decides what letters go in? Because that's not a newspaper at that moment. Note, uh, I, I said they can print a, an opinion piece that I disagree with. They, they, they certainly can. I'm not going to question, I'm not going to argue with, it, uh, with, with the idea of printing it, although I might disagree with it. But the, 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 the very concept that you can't get a letter to the editor printed, well, that's something very, very different. So, A, I want to know if it happened. Uh, you you can email me, uh, Tony at TonyCats.com. Uh, you can uh, call into the show, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. You can leave a message uh, on the socials, whether that be the ex-Twitter or whether that be even Facebook or, or over at Locals at TonyCats.com. But if it's true, if, if it's true, then I would argue that the school has a lot to answer for. And again, 
I trust the source tremendously. But going past the part about answering for, allow me to be of service. If you wrote a letter to the editor regarding Jared Quigg's piece, regarding his uh, piece uh, that reads, there will never be peace until Palestine is free. If you wrote one and they did not print it, I will read it on the air. Or I'll let you read it on the air. I will read it or I will let you read it. Students at Indiana University, absolutely not. Will we be allowing anybody to be silenced on this subject? Because this subject is not actually the Israel subject, which we're going to get into. Yanam Cohen, who is uh, the uh, Council General to the Midwest uh, from Israel, is scheduled to be with us coming up in a little bit. This is about whether or not we actually allow a free interchange of ideas and thoughts and whether or not it happens on college campuses. Because I think if we were to ask ourselves, you and me, uh, sitting in a bar stool, having a bourbon, because, well, it would probably be a rye, neither here nor there, uh, we'd be like, yeah, no, it doesn't happen. doesn't happen. doesn't happen at all. There is no free interchange of ideas on a college campus. The left could say whatever it wants. The right gets physically attacked or screamed out. Scream down, shut down the whole thing. We see it time and again and again. We see it again and again and again. So, I am uh, I am curious to see how it comes about. Curious to see whether or not anybody will reach out and say, I absolutely positively was silenced. Absolutely was silenced and without question, I have something to say because we're going to let you say it. We are going to let you say it right here and I'll, I'll read it for you if you want me to. I will read it. I might give it some dramatic flourishes or I will let you read it. But the idea of college campuses not allowing the free interchange and expression of, of, of ideas. This is everything that's a problem. This is everything that's an issue. This is exactly what we need to confront in so many places because this has nothing to do whether the subject is about Israel and Hamas or whether the subject is about the southern border or the subject's about China. It's about what do we want from these institutions? And yes, we do get a say. We're supposed to trust these institutions. We're supposed to trust the students coming out of these institutions to run companies and businesses and be elected places. We damn well have a say in what happens. And we need to make sure that those people who want to have a say get a chance to do so. So I'm just going to I'm just going to get a chance to do so. I'm going to give that chance to uh to as many people as I can. This is my plan. And I think I think uh to the to the very best of my ability it's a dang good plan. You know I'm Cohen is uh the council general to the Midwest from the state of Israel. What is going on? What happened with the ceasefire? How do they view the United States' support or maybe lack thereof? We will speak to the Council General coming up in just a bit. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. 
So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. So when we see it, when we see that people like uh, squad member Rashida Tlaib, Congresswoman Lies, and Ilhan Omar pushes forth what she pushes forth, when we see people like Congressman Andre Carson uh, of, of Indianapolis move forward with conversations that don't actually address the terrorism of Hamas, we are left to wonder what it is that they favor and what we have seen in my view, is a favoring of, of Hamas. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. And now that the ceasefire has been broken by Hamas after the murder of three Israelis in Jerusalem, and then sending in more rockets into the southern part of Israel, Israel has now stated they will be going into the southern part of Gaza. They do not plan at all to stop, yet we have all across America the continued call for a ceasefire. So what is Israel's plan? How do the Israelis see it? And how do they view American response? Yanam Cohen joins me uh, right now. Yanam Cohen is the council general uh, for uh, Israel uh, to the Midwest. I bring him out here uh, right now. And, sir, it's good to have you uh, on the program as a part of, of, the, of the show uh, before we get into what's going on in the United States, as you're based in Chicago, before we get into um, uh, the the breaking of the ceasefire by Hamas, let's start with uh, the Israeli people. What has the past 60 days been like? And 60 days later, 60 days past, give or take, uh, um, October 7th, what is it that the Israelis want? It is very simple. So, since, you know... October 7th, which we have to remind was the biggest slaughter, intentional slaughter of Jews since the Holocaust, we have two major goals. The first one is to release all the hostages and bring them back home. And the second one is to eliminate Hamas and its leadership to make sure that they won't be able to perpetrate what they did on October 7th in the future. And we have every reason to believe that um, they would try to do that if they can, not because it is my estimation, but because I'm listening to them. And they say it over and over again on, on, you know, openly on the TV. They say, if we can, we'll do it over and over again. So this is our moral duty to make sure they will never do it again. So the, when, when Hamas breaks the ceasefire, you know, mm-hmm. you talk about you listening to them, and, and we listen to them uh, <laughs> as well. They talk about October 7th and say, this is just the beginning, an opening salvo, things like that. Am I to understand it that the Israeli people believe that Hamas is never going to stop and they have now come to the place maybe after years or maybe they always felt this way and now they're solidified in it. It is us or them and they're going to choose uh, their own survival. I have no doubt. Um, Whenever Hamas has a possibility, they will do it. They've been preparing for for that for years. They've been building an infrastructure that is unlike any other in the world. They have the biggest underground infrastructure in the world that was built, by the way, with, uh, you know, American and European taxpayers' money. So this is uh, what they're preparing for for years, and this is what they want to do. This is what they did on October 7th. This is what they're going to do if they have the chance to do it again. 
And again, it's our job to make sure they will be never, never able to do it again. Talking to Yanam Cohen, he is uh, the Israel Council General to the Midwest. Uh, and uh, to, to that end, uh, it has been learned, of course, uh, since they broke the ceasefire, uh, entering into southern Gaza. Of course, there's been many uh, attacks into northern Gaza, and you have uh, told people to uh, evacuate uh, the area, and Hamas has prevented some evacuations in some places. The Rafa Gate opened. That would allow some level of, I guess, what they're calling refugee. <clears throat> now we're looking at an attack in the southern part of, of Gaza, Uh this amongst Israelis uh, is, you know, for the United States, they've said, oh, you've already moved people there. There are too many civilians. It just can't be done. We've heard from Anthony Blinken saying that you don't have a check that you can cash. You don't have the credit to be able to do this kind of attack. But Israel seems to be moving forward. How does this take place? We're moving forward because we have every reason to believe that uh, the top leadership of, of Hamas is hiding behind behind civilians in the southern part of, of, of Gaza. It is, as I said, part of our um, you know, goals to eliminate all the leadership. We had great success in the northern part of Gaza, both in the, um, you know, our estimation, our intel tells us that something between five to 6,000 Hamas operatives have been killed during this uh, operation, and we now have to go to the southern part to complete the mission. Now, we take very seriously everything the American administration is, 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 you know, is saying as part of the very intimate um, and close discussions that we have, because they, this is what friends do. We have, uh, we're listening carefully and we do, and I mean, we don't need the Americans to tell that. We would do it anyways. I mean, we take every uh, precaution to make sure that we mitigate the number of civilians uh, who are, you know, uh, getting uh, unfortunately killed during this operation because Hamas is hiding behind them. So what we're trying to do right now in the south of the Gaza Strip is to make sure or even to start with new plans to make sure that um, we operate in very specific areas or blocks, as we call them, to make sure that uh, we mitigate the numbers, uh, the numbers of civilians who are getting uh, you know, uh, killed in this operation. To that end, uh, this was John Kirby, a uh, spokesperson for the National Security Council on uh, Face the Nation, which is CBS, uh, one of the Sunday shows. L- listen to this. It certainly sounds like the Netanyahu government has not made the changes that they have been asked to make for the past few weeks. They have been receptive to those messages. Those messages that he delivered in public, we are also delivering in private. For three they weeks have been, or more now, including on this program. They have been receptive to those messages. Now, again, I want to make it clear. The right number of civilian casualties is zero. And it's clearly many thousands have been killed and many more thousands have been wounded. And now more than a million are internally displaced. We're aware of that. And we know that all of that is a tragedy. We grieve with all those families. That's why we continue to work, as Secretary Austin said, with our Israeli counterparts to get them to be as careful and as precise and as deliberate in their targeting as possible. And I would tell you, as I said, they have been receptive. They went into North Gaza with a, a much smaller force than what they had originally planned to do. And here you have in the, last, the United States slowed down those operations. And if you have in the last 24 hours, they have been putting a map online of places where people in Gaza need to avoid and, and need to go. They don't I don't have know, t- connectivity but, widely in Gaza. But, you know that. Well, they've also been doing it with paper and, and leaflets and that. What I found fascinating about this, uh, General Cohen, talking to Yanam Cohen, the council general from Israel to the Midwest of the United States, is that here's John Kirby, 
who is saying that Israel has been easy to work with on this subject, yet it is a Margaret Brennan there who is pushing back that Israel isn't doing this, Israel's only doing this because you forced them to it, Israel isn't allowing power in, in, into Gaza, so much so that one of the IDF spokespeople speaking to Sky News actually had to push back on this idea that the people of Gaza don't have connectivity. Very short of time. I'm so sorry that we're going to have to um, speed things up. We are about to run out of time. But I just wanted to ask you very quickly about that digital map. You're telling people where is going to be targeted next. People don't have power to power up their uh, mobile phones. They haven't got Wi-Fi. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think you and all of your viewers saw our hostages being paraded through the streets as they were released to Israel over those seven nights and hundreds of Gazans holding their phones, videoing them. So clearly there's enough power to power their phones when we're, they're parading our hostages throughout Gaza. Now that same power to their phones will be to get the maps, download the maps, look at the flyers, and don't okay. forget, we're not only Major giving Spielman, those- I'm so sorry. We are out of time, but we appreciate uh, your comments this evening. We're always out of time, right, when the answer comes, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, we all, we all know it's that, Let sir. me tell you something. You know, I, I, mean, I mean, we care a lot about our, our you know, our very intimate, intimate discussions with the American administration. America is our closest friend in the world, our most important ally, and we listen very carefully to everything America has to tell us. You know, we would not regard Sky News or even other media outlets um, whether, you know, we have to defend our people or not. We do whatever ne- is necessary to defend our people to get the, this, you know, historic in historic terms uh, danger away from our borders and we'll do whatever necessary to make sure that October 7th, the slaughter of more than 1,200 uh, Israelis, Jews and non-Jews, by the way, alike, uh, will never happen again. This is our moral duty. The, the moral duty... Um is not only within Israel itself, I, w- I would argue. F- follow me, if you would, for, for the moment. Um, you're, Of course, I would agree that you have every right to protect and defend yourselves, and that involves taking out people who want to continue to attack you. But to do that is difficult, or is made more difficult, when uh, people who are allies or even other nations want to hold you to a different standard. And this is why I brought up these these two pieces about how media is acting uh, towards Israel in this. How does Israel view? I understand your point. You're going to continue to do, Israel's going to continue to do and try and do everything it's possible it needs to to keep Israelis safe, right? I butchered that a little bit, but you get my point. But how do Israelis view how the U.S. press and maybe U.S. elected officials, U.S. campuses, as I talked about college campuses earlier, how do they view how those things are being represented regarding Israel? Thank you. This is a very broad question. I have to say, we see uh, um, an American administration that is very supportive of Israel. True, they sometimes have some uh, nuances about how to do things, and we definitely discuss that. But we see an administration that is very supportive uh, to Israel, that understands the need of eliminating Hamas, and I'm grateful for that. I see. I look at the United uh, the United States uh, Congress, and I see a very united Congress uh, that's standing behind Israel, both Republicans and Democrats. True, there is, um, I would say, what I call the ceasefire camp. That is, um, some progressive uh, Congress members 
who are calling for an immediate ceasefire, which means, in other words, please save Hamas, stop the fire and save Hamas. We will not accept that. We try to engage in conversations with them. Sometimes uh, we're more successful in that. Sometimes uh, we're less successful. I was listening, by the way, last night, for example, to one of the progressive leaders in the American Congress, a congresswoman that is known for her progressive values for defending human rights and defending uh, women's rights. And when she was asked about the massive, uh, systematic, uh, sexual um, uh, violence against Israeli women during October 7th, she was trying to trivialize that or to contextualize that. So this is something that, I, you know what, I find it very distur- disturbing. Uh, and- but we're listening to the majority, the vast majority of Americans and the American elected officials who stand strong with Israel. And uh, I, look, uh, it's, it, you don't have to name uh, names, sir. I can appreciate your position. But in my position, I have spoken very honestly about the statements of Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal out of Washington State and the trivializing of, of rape and saying that the response has to be balanced. It, it was it was a deplorable statement. And she's uh, feeling the heat, although that doesn't mean she isn't going to get uh, reelected. So now take us through the next steps with the ceasefire done. Does this mean that Israel has given up on the idea of getting these hostages back? Oh, no. No, no, no. We agreed to start to, to pause, not to stop, to pause the, the fire for a certain amount of days because Hamas was agreeing to release uh, some of the hostages. The agreement was so that uh, for every 10 additional hostages, we would uh, prolong the pause of the fire for one more day. Hamas at a certain point on Friday decided not to prolong that. And I was listening very carefully to the uh, spokesperson of the State Department this morning who explained that the reason that Hamas did not want to uh, release more Israeli uh, women, and they're holding more women and more babies, by the way, is that they didn't want these women to testify, to tell the world the story about what happened to them during, you know, their captivity days. Now, one can only imagine... One can only imagine what the, the spokesperson of the State Department was referring to. And again, that connects me to the congresswoman you were mentioning yesterday that was trying to trivialize the horrors that we know that are happening uh, in Hamas ca- captivity and that happened on, Hama- on October 7th. So it's, it's possible, not necessarily probable, but possible that another ceasefire could come? If Hamas agrees to release hostages we might be able to pause the fire again. But again, there will be no ceasefire. You know, people tend to mistake, and I want to I give up you know, just a few seconds of that because this is important. People associate the word ceasefire with peace. And it couldn't be different in this case because if we're talking about a ceasefire right now, that means to completely stop the fire, completely stop the war against Hamas, that means to keep Hamas alive, to help them rearm, to assist them uh, take again their positions, which means that in a couple of months they will try to perpetrate October 7th again. <clears throat> we'll not that, let that happen. So a ceasefire will come only after we complete our two goals. All the, re- the hostages are being released or rescued by our forces. And secondly, Hamas is eliminated and is unable to perpetrate terror attacks against Israelis again. Yanam Cohen, uh, he is the Council General to the Midwest from Israel. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. We will do it again and very soon. Yanam Cohen, thank you so much, uh, General. Uh, And uh, we have much more to get to. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. They have not, even their own witnesses that they brought forward, been able to find a nexus between any of the allegations of Hunter Biden mm -hmm. and the president, uh, Joe Biden, or even when he was vice president. Joe Biden. There's no nexus. There's no there there. Well, if you say so, Delegate Plaskett, if you say so, Delegate Plaskett of the U.S. Virgin Islands, then we believe you. There's no there there, nothing involving Hunter and Joe Biden, no checks written, no deals given, no money changed hands, your whatever you say. Or, I'm just, I'm just spitballing here, what if... You're more interested in being a partisan than an application of right versus wrong. What? What? Only the Republicans could do that? Nah, maybe you could do that too. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What is going on, uh, everybody? Oh, absolutely precious right there. Doug Burgum has dropped out of the race. Uh, we hardly knew ye. Here's uh, the, the point. This is the governor of North Dakota. I actually think he had a very, very good showing. Of course, he was never going to make it. There was just too much against him. But Doug Burgum's an example of a guy who had success in the private sector, then put himself to the public sector, showed success there. These are the kinds of guys we want interested enough in helping the country. This is, this is exactly what we want. So... If I'm any of these candidates thinking about a future, I think Doug Burton should be around that. That's my take. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.